Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. This is probably a controversial uh, topic, but then we tend to sort of really look at the mobile applications and then SaaS, web applications, as though UX is sort of you know the center of the universe, and then if you have a cool user experience, it is going to succeed. But please do think of it as though user experience is one of the factor for your product to succeed, but not everything, right? So you need to have the right use case. You need to have the right functionality. Uh, make sure that uh, the users are engaged well enough with your application, and then your user experience helps but only the user experience is not going to save your uh, product at all, right? In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. Thanks, Brendan, for the introduction. Um, so today I'm going to really go through the mechanics uh, behind launching mobile applications uh, in general. And uh, for me, what I thought is, I really and very strongly believe in the context of the problem sets that we're working with and then the kind of solutions that we provide. Everything revolves around the context and the framework of something, right? So I just want to provide some uh, of my experiences uh, that really brought me here uh, and um, we'll go from there. So. I've really started my career as an engineer for a long time, and then the last 10 years I've been a product manager, and uh, there are two uh, startups that um, I worked with, and both of them uh, exited successfully. Uh, one with uh, Software AG, and then the uh, second one got acquired into Oracle. Um, so I left the mothership, and then I went back to mothership is what we keep referring to as, right? And then I worked on the platform technologies uh, as well, and then also bringing these platform technologies into the vertical solutions. Uh, and most recently, I've been working on bringing the Internet of Things, blockchain, and chatbots into the industry vertical um, uh, applications, really from the supply chain, manufacturing, healthcare, education, uh, think about it, right? So. Clearly, these days, we have these technologies for sure, uh, IoT, blockchain, but the biggest uh, challenge that everybody has is how do you make sense of uh, these technologies, what we keep referring to as the emerging technologies. So the idea really is um, bringing these horizontal platform level technologies uh, and then monetize them in a nice way is what I've been focusing in the last six months. And uh, the last one, um, I've been, uh, I currently mentor a lot of uh, startups as well as uh, I 
feel that I have to give back to the product managers community and that is part of it where uh, I work with some of the product mentoring organizations to really uh, give back and then uh, help uh, people uh, transition into product management or maybe within the product management to really get to the next level. Yep. Absolutely, please go ahead. Startup, correct. So, uh, just to sort of make everything simple, I think you know if there is one thing that probably you have to take back, I would really think of the framework as outside in and then inside out, uh, which is simply to say that whenever we are building products, we are building these products in the context of some externalities and then some internal strengths, right? Uh, typically, for those of you uh, who would have heard about the SWOT analysis, all that we're really talking about the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, right? But to make it really simple, let's say we are looking at the market opportunity, we are looking at the business, the trends, we are understanding the competitors. Uh, if you are new entrant, then probably you don't have competitors, but then how do we bring this data into your organization and then bring that into your corporate goals, product goals and products, right? So it's really flows through that uh, channel and then once you build the products, the idea would be again, you take it to the market and then see how these products are performing, bring the feedback again inside. So it's a continuous loop between the external factors that happen and the internal strategy and the execution that you're doing within the company, right? So looking at that, what we really started uh, almost six years ago was to really uh, look at uh, in our business unit, what is the opportunity that we want to look at uh, and then how do we really want to bring those opportunity into the product portfolio and then the products and then how do we execute it, right? So the biggest thing that we uh, realized is there is a $10 trillion market opportunity over there uh, to really look at the projects, the amount of um, money that is spent on projects across the world every year in that sense. And there is a 3.3% increase every year that happens. Of course, this data is based on 2016, but then when we started this somewhere around 2013, it was really uh, around $8 billion, uh, trillion dollar of opportunity. This is not to say that this is a total addressable market or total serviceable market, but this is really talking about the overall big opportunity that we have out there, right? And then we said, okay, what are we really good at uh, to get this opportunity into our business unit or our uh, company? And then that really comes down to what are those industries that you want to focus with this opportunity and then we basically did an analysis as to say, for each and every industry that we want to focus on, clearly uh, I sort of uh, modified the product names, but then think of them really as each and every industry uses certain products, bring in the products and then see 
what is the analysis that you can come up with as to say what are the strengths, what are the products that are really strong in which industry and then that really gives you an idea on who are the major players, who are the competitors, are they, what are the kind of SaaS products that you have, do they have mobile applications, do they have IoT applications, what not, right? So when you really look at it, you look at the high level market opportunity and then you come down to what industries that you want to serve uh, because we were a project management uh, SaaS company, basically, right? And then once we analyzed that, we said, uh, this is around 2013, by the way, right? So we said, okay, we are going to be the project success platform that brings in every aspect of project management in that sense, right? So whether it is the resource management, the capital plan management, your financial costing, uh, it doesn't really matter. We want to bring everything into one platform, right? So just to give you an idea on the amount of uh, big work that we have undertaken, each and every module or the area that you see, there are companies millions and billions of dollars of companies that are just looking at one area. So you can really see the amount of uh, uh, work that uh, went in to really bring this uh, project success platform in that sense, right? And then once we said that uh, from the corporate obje objectives point of view, we said, okay, this new platform is going to have Absolutely, it should be cloud SaaS enabled. It should have the social features. It should be mobile first. And then it should be integratable into other products and services, right? So this is a very interesting pillars for us because whatever technology and the product design that we did, was really based around these four assumptions uh, from that point of view, right? And so when you really look at it, the, the reason why I went through this whole context uh, cycle is whenever we are building, whether it is a SaaS uh, application or mobile application, or maybe you are trying to integrate the IoT into your own uh, applications, it doesn't really matter, but there is always a context and then your uh, corporate objectives uh, really trickle down into your portfolio and then your portfolio into your products. And then based on the product line, you really need to think through on what makes sense, right? And because today's subject is really about the mobile uh, journey and the lessons that we went through the mobile, launching the mobile applications, Somewhere around 2014, we basically said, hey, you know what, now that we know what we are supposed to do, let's make a new platform that should be mobile and um, um, social-centric. And then everybody said, yeah, mobile apps, I don't know, I mean, you know, who cares about the mobile apps, right? It's nice to have, uh, we don't really need these mobile apps because there is a SaaS product that we have, everybody is able to access uh, the SaaS products. So why do we need the mobile apps, right? Because at the end of the day, the, the reason why you need to really think through why do you need the mobile apps is because 
somebody has to approve the budget, the budget turns into the resources, resource turns into your mobile products, right? So just saying that I need mobile products is not just enough, right? You need the executive commitment, you need the customer commitment, you need your sales commitment, uh, because most likely all our organizations will have certain amount of marketing sales people with us, and they need to be on board to really take our mobile products ahead. And then probably in the next one year, all that we said was, yeah, okay, we have a new platform. Now let's start with mobile web and then really test the waters as to say, is there enough demand uh, that we have from the mobile applications point of view? Because for the salespeople, it is very easy to say that, hey, we don't have the mobile apps, uh, we need mobile apps, but then they really stop at that level, right? But then it is our uh, job as a product manager to really understand what are the pain points that uh, salespeople are talking about. Is it just for a check mark on the uh, data sheet or is it really that the customers are looking forward to get mobile applications? And that is the point of time where we realized uh, within one year that the mobile web is not really cutting the deal and then we went to the the first launch of our uh, iOS app. And then we focused on executive users at that point of time. In the next one year, we realized that, yeah, okay, uh, doing mobile application is good, but we got to have the backend APIs and everything, the infrastructure in place, otherwise we cannot execute as fast as we want, right? And from the user's point of view, we moved up the value chain from executive users to field users. Uh, I'll let you know in a bit on what I mean by that. And then the last year, uh, we've been primarily on the growth and marketing um, point of view where we pushed a lot into the market. We try to uh, understand the adoption, the growth strategy and everything. And we also launched our Android apps and then finally, we continued our journey with the field users, right? And the biggest thing that you see is, when we started our journey, everybody said, hey, we don't really need your uh, mobile apps, you know, maybe mobile apps are just a nice to have uh, kind of uh, applications, but then we really brought that uh, nice to have perspective to a must have perspective. Uh, and what it really means uh, for us or the cues that we have by must have is, of course, nobody will say that we moved from nice to have to must have. Uh, but then when we are looking at the customer opportunities, when we are talking to the sales, and then whenever we go uh, talk to our end users, they are absolutely excited about the mobile apps that we have. And then they want more, right? So always think about it as that is a very good problem to have that people are requesting more of what you have rather than you release something and then you don't get a feedback. That means there is something really, really wrong happening. Either the people are not adopting the way you wanted it to be or there is a broken chain somewhere, right? So it is absolutely good thing where there are users, they are using it and they want more. Right? So uh, always really think about it as a good problem. Just because users are, users are complaining, that's not necessarily a bad problem to have. 
And then uh, even this year, we are just executing in terms of our uh, whole growth strategy and then uh, marketing push in that sense, right? So the reason why I wanted to uh, portray this whole uh, journey and the life cycle is when you really start, you will make some assumptions. There is a hypothesis, uh, whether it is you or your uh, executives and whatnot, but you take those uh, hypotheses, you execute, you learn, you probably will make some mistakes, you correct it, and then move on, right? So at some point of time, you get to the phase where you understand your users, you know exactly what's happening, and then you just go from there, right? And okay, here I'll probably be quick on this one. So this is really where in 2000, uh, probably 12, uh, probably somehow it is not visible there. We really started with the whole of, uh, this is pure HTML on a iOS or Android browser. That's really what it is, right? So we launched this and then um, we went to users. Um, they used it, but they didn't like it. It just sucks, right? So, which is a good problem to have. And then we said, okay, I mean, uh, is it okay for us to actually have uh, some style sheets on the top of the application that we have? All that we did was to move from HTML to a little bit of uh, uh, coloring on the user interface. And uh, it didn't really cut the uh, mark with our users, right, clearly. And then we launched our uh, iOS app. Um, and this is something that many users adopted. But still, everybody said, hey, there are too many things that I have to click through. Uh, I don't really get to do exactly what my work is uh, once I launch my mobile app. And then uh, for the first time again, we launched um, purpose-built mobile apps for the users. And then this has been a huge success. So the one thing that you will probably notice from the previous versions and this one is, this one is very specific to a particular user and it lets you do one thing, which is to enter your time sheets, right? And then as we went on, uh, we started using more of uh, native uh, mobile features like your maps and then uh, uh, there is the whole rendering of your PDFs, pictures, and the ability for you to do markups within the app. And then, of course, the whole ability for you to be able to uh, use your uh, today widget. So the aspect of using the iOS native features is that when you are when you are a user, you are looking through all your uh, meeting reminders, your notifications that are coming in. So one of the aspects that we realized as we went through our execution is the same set of um, functionality from the native iOS is what our users also want. So if they are supposed to do some tasks, then they want those task notifications to be there on the today widget so that they can just pull through, they see, okay, you know, I'm supposed to do these three tasks, they do the tasks right away so that they don't have to actually launch the app and go there, right? These are the ones that uh, we started iOS journey first uh, for almost about three years. 
and then later on we realized uh, that Android is a big chunk of the users that we are looking at and then we expanded the Android ones too. So I think for us it really happened as though when you look at the market data, almost 20% is your iOS and 80% is the Android and almost 2% is the Microsoft um, Surface, right? So, but, so that's the market data, but what is our user's data, right? At the end of the day, market data is one thing that talks about rest of all the people around, but then we need to consider who our users are, right? So from our user's point of view, we really wanted to make sure that we are launching this product in the North America, and from North America point of view, iOS is almost around 50% in the enterprise IT usage side of it. So that's really where we need to really look at the outside in, inside out, what I talked about, to really consider the data from outside, and then looking at does it really make sense for us, and then survey what your users really look like. If you have enjoyed the episode so far, check out our upcoming live events at productschool.com slash events. Use the promo code PRODUCTPODCAST in all caps to get a free ticket to the next event in your city. And then finally, uh, as of today, we're in a uh, phase where we have iOS apps, Android apps, pretty matured. Everything moved from uh, conceptual stage onto the much more matured. And all that we are really doing now is to really push it through the market, right? So that is probably what you see from outside. Uh, of course, you know, the whole evolution of the mobile apps and then launching of iOS, Android, and whatnot. But this is about five years, and uh, these are probably 10 lessons that I've learned. Um, many people have asked me before, why not three, why not five? I said, Unfortunately, because there is so much of work that goes behind in bringing these mobile apps and then thinking through everything, uh, it is very uh, unjustifiable if I have to shrink everything into two or three lessons learned, right? So I'll just go through them quickly. So the basics of everything is really look at what and why. Uh, what I really mean by that is when your organization really talks about, hey, uh, we need a mobile app. Maybe one thing is your executives are really looking from the outside view where they go to the customers, they go to the conferences, they really uh, listen to everyone and say, hey, I mean, you know, everybody is talking about the mobile apps, so let's have a mobile app, right? But then the question for you really is once you get that uh, direction, now you are coming back and then saying, hey, we need to have a mobile app, but then what does it really mean by mobile app? I mean, is our organization uh, ready for taking on a mobile app challenge internally is one. And then are our users ready to take on the mobile challenge, right? Because it's not just enough to say that there are based on different situations, you build it, they come is true, but not all the time, right? You need to really understand what are those intricacies, who are those users, who are those uh, executives that are sponsoring your uh, products so that you can really understand whether it makes sense for you to build your mobile apps or not. 
this is one simple example. By now, when we look at it, it might look like a no-brainer. Hey, I mean, everybody knows about this, right? You know, what are the advantages of the mobile? But then in 2012, 2013, this is exactly what uh, I was preaching to the executive team, right? Because everybody, I mean, sales has a different opinion, service, uh, customer service has a different opinion, and then here we are in the product organization, we are tasked with bringing in the mobile uh, products. So it really comes down to thinking through these, what are those uh, products that they are asked for, why should we do it, and then what are the advantages of uh, making these products, and then really going to your uh, executives, make, the, make sure that you get the buy-in from your executives to build the whatever you've been tasked with, right? In our case, of course, they are the mobile apps. And then the most important part uh, is know your users, influencers, and buyers, of course. So you may have heard several times that many products actually are built for the buyers rather than the users, right? So what happens is buyers buy it. They say, okay, here are the 10 users. You go use it. And then users probably don't have a clue on why should I use it? Does it really help me uh, in my daily work or not? So always keep in mind that there are several stakeholders when you are trying to build the products and then take it out of the market. And especially externalities like there are these end users who are going to supposed to use your products, of course, uh, and then benefit from their daily work. The influencers are the ones, they may not be the users, but there might be the enterprise security architects or maybe they are uh, middle managers who really wants the users to use these products, right? So always think about those. And the buyers, of course, are the executives who are going to write the check that, yeah, we need these uh, mobile products, right? And what it really meant was to really look through, okay, if I'm probably building some of the mobile apps, then am I building those mobile apps for my executives or to my managers or to the end users, really, right? So the reason why it is very important is maybe executives really need to have a lot of dashboards and uh, reporting uh, infrastructure and whatnot on the mobile. And then the project managers are the ones probably, more or less, they are looking at the decision making, right? They are probably approving some tasks. They are uh, maybe looking at uh, some performance um, uh, of the team members. And then the end users or slash team members are the ones uh, who are really doing the work, uh, right? So in this particular context, I think the one example that I would like to give is we really started with construction and engineering as our industry that we want to focus on, right? And as you can imagine, in the construction industry, location, location, location is the most important thing for us because so long, uh, all the schedule, the resource management, and the financial costing analysis and everything used to happen in the office. And then the construction workers, they are there in the construction sites everywhere. And before any of the mobile apps, 
the situation was really as though that there is a supervisor who would go to the morning rounds, noon rounds, evening rounds. He will go around with uh, a pen and paper. There is a camera and uh, he goes through and then he looks at some of the inconsistencies that are happening around the construction area. He takes the pictures, he writes down some of the notes and then probably at the end of the day, probably after two days, one week or whatever based on the amount of work that the supervisor has, he goes back and then keys in into whatever system that he is using, right? So when you really think about the amount of churn, the data, the real-time uh, lost loss of the data, it's incredible. Um, but then think about if there is a mobile app where you are just walking through and then you see there is a uh, leakage in the plumbing site or the concrete pour hasn't happened uh, properly, you just take a picture, attach it to a particular issue and then punch in right then and there under a minute, right? And then that goes directly to your backend system and then it gets notified to your vendor uh, who is actually doing the work and that becomes a much more simpler real-time feedback loop compared to a PIM paper-based system uh, that used to exist. And to be honest with you, even today, there are so many construction sites that you go and see. Uh, it is not digitized, uh, even though there is a huge process improvement that everybody can do by just adopting the mobile apps everywhere. So this is the sort of uh, reach and impact that we have come up with as to make sure that we started with the executives uh, as a, one of the persona for us and then we slowly realized that that is not an ideal persona that we should realize, right? So the biggest point for us is how much our, how many of our tools that you give to the executives you are not really going to get new data. You are not really going to get new engagement, right? But this is a great opportunity where if you provide these mobile apps for the real end users, in our case, they are the construction workers. These are the guys who are actually doing the work, who are supposed to complete certain tasks every day, and they will be able to write then and there, provide that information. and that information is worth a lot for us because this information was never there before uh, for the construction or oil and gas and different kind of uh, industries that we work with. And then finally, you know, making sure that you have the right personas uh, when you are working with because it is a very... Uh, easy to say that we want to satisfy all the users that we have, right? So that's the first reaction that anybody has, uh, to say that, hey, let's go after everybody. But then when you segment your users, make sure that what is the, what is the user segmentation and then what is the reach of these users and then how are, they, how are we really providing value to this particular user segment by introducing a new product? Uh, in our case, of course, you know, it is the mobile app. But then, as you can see, we came up with three different uh, targeted users. And then we started with executives, 
uh, to provide them the dashboards and reports and whatnot, and we soon realized that that was a big mistake um, because we weren't really getting new data, and then we shifted our focus to our uh, project workers, and that's really where we uncovered so many insights from the construction sites or think about in the oil and gas, the offshore drilling sites and mining sites and whatnot. And that's a huge uh, discovery uh, for us. Yeah, so it is, how much ever I say it is still not enough on this one to your uh, point. When we started, the requirements really poured in from executive sites to say, okay, we need to be able to add project proposals. We need to be able to add uh, things like the performance scorecard. We need to be able to add things like spending summary and on and on. And then we looked at all these requirements and said, what are we really looking at? Are we trying to get web into the mobile or are we looking at the building mobile applications on their own, right? So the reason why this is a absolutely wrong approach is if the web or the SaaS application leads our uh, mobile use cases, then typically you will always be in the catch-up mode because there is this uh, SaaS application that has a functionality and then you are releasing it on the mobile and then web, mobile, web, mobile, and then that never stops, right? But at the same time, it's really uh, important to understand what is it that users really, really want, right? I think, you know, really start from the, start your exploration from asking that question, what do our users want? Who are those users? Go to those users right away and then see what kind of problems that they are facing, right? So I think, you know, that is a very, very big thing that we need to uh, understand right from the beginning of, uh, uh, product exploration, product planning itself. So, defining KPIs before we start the project itself, right? So, clearly one of the things that we uh, understand is we could have uh, dealt with what are the daily active users or monthly active users or the number of installs of our mobile app that we have, but what we chose uh, at the beginning of uh, our uh, journey was to say, this is a enterprise mobile app, and then from the user engagement point of view, we really want to understand and bring the insights from the place where the work is happening, right? So those are the construction sites, those are the oil, gas, uh, refineries, those are the manufacturing plants. So that's really where we want to get the insights from. So we really chose to define ourselves saying that, let's look at the user engagement and the amount of data, data that we get, right? So again, the amount of data for us really was pictures, videos, uh, and then we used to provide the voice to text conversations. And those are the kind of uh, KPIs that we define for ourselves to make sure that at the beginning of um, the product that we are building itself, 
make sure that user engagement is at the core of our design and the product requirements from that side. Uh, this is probably a controversial uh, topic, but then we tend to sort of really look at the mobile applications and then SaaS, web applications, as though UX is sort of you know the center of the universe, and then if you have a cool user experience, it is going to succeed. But please do think of it as though user experience is one of the factor for your product to succeed, but not everything, right? So you need to have the right use case, you need to have the right functionality, uh, make sure that uh, the users are engaged well enough with your application, and then your user experience helps but only the user experience is not going to save your uh, product at all, right? So initially when we started, these are some of the sites that uh, our user experience folks used to send to us. Hey, I mean, you know, there is this cool uh, mobile uh, screen that we found, you know, can you please go look at it? There is a nice interaction that we found on the Android app, can you please go look at it, right? So we used to get bombarded with lot of these user experience uh, articles, but the idea really is, uh, this is a funny story where we said, okay, because it is easy to build, somebody actually built our task management onto the Apple Watch. And now this has become a sort of pet project, and then all of a sudden, uh, one fine Monday, I saw these uh, emails floating around that, oh, we finally have a Apple Watch application. And we are now thinking, do we really need an Apple Watch application for task management for somebody in the construction sites? Right? So when we really drill through, okay, now we are talking about somebody having $700 iOS device, $300 watch, and then they are trying to use the watch to really complete the task, right? So I can probably argue that maybe one to 10 users might actually have a Android uh, watch, the construction workers we are talking about, right? So some of these uh, things uh, do make sure that some of the user experience designs won't become real projects, right? So this is really cool to show in a nice conference to executives that, hey, I mean, we can, we're actually using the greatest and latest technologies and uh, Apple Watch is a nice example, but these are not the kind of things where your users will be excited about, right? Because sometimes the negative effect would be that you show this to your um, executives, they're all excited, but then your user would be like, hey, you know what? I asked you for that one feature to go into the iOS app without developing that, you wasted your time on something that I wouldn't use, right? So always keep thinking about there are positive um, implications and the negative implications sometimes which are not obvious uh, clearly on how we prioritize our uh, product portfolio and the feature set. But <clears throat> user experience is a great, great tool where even without building your product, make sure you have uh, certain um, 
mockups with you that you can uh, run it by your users, your uh, executives, make sure that, hey, you know what, this is what we are thinking about our uh, uh, iPad, and then this is our uh, iOS um, uh, apps that we are trying to build. Do you think you know this kind of uh, user experience and then the functionality looks good to you and then uh, probably get some feedback from them and then move on, right? So definitely make very much use of the user experience uh, engineers and the team to the point where you are able to really get those focus groups, get the validation of your uh, designs, and then much before you actually write even one line of code, right? So do make sure that you make use of the team in a nice way to really get the feedback as quick as possible. And this is something that I can't, uh, I can't just uh, emphasize enough because the web platform uh, luckily is only one. There is a browser and then you build it for the browser and it is supposed to work. And then especially in the recent scenarios, uh, we moved away from uh, supporting my, um, IE, Mozilla, and then now uh, there is almost around 70% market share for the Chrome. So when developers now think about the building the SaaS applications, at least there is some guidance over there that, yeah, okay, Chrome and then IE, and then probably not many people think about Mozilla uh, from the SaaS product uh, point of view. But then, especially for the mobile apps, the problem is multifold because what really happens is you look at, hey, I mean, you know, why don't we build a pure HTML, hybrid, why native? So you need to really understand the implication of the cost and then the user experience building native apps versus HTML5 versus the hybrid apps, right? So everything is possible and then even the hybrid framework, some of the nice hybrid frameworks that we have, they bring up nice uh, native interactions on the iOS and Android. And the nice thing with that is if there is somebody who is able to just write the hybrid code, you will potentially be able to compile it to all the three platforms of iOS, Android, and uh, Windows. Right? And now one of the ideas for us would be for us, initially, we started with the HTML, and then it didn't really make the cut, and then we went to the native app route. But then this is a sort of small exercise that we did when we went to the native app route, right? So what are all the native features that are there on the iOS, and do we really need each and every one of them? And then if we need, then how are we going to really use them, right? So. The idea would be don't use your uh, native or don't build a native app just for the sake of the native app, but make sure that you are actually using the native app in the right way. And these are some of the funniest things that happen, right? So it might look like okay screen, but when you really look at this cell, there is an awful lot of white space between the top portion and the bottom details. 
the reason why we need to look at these very specific details is once we sort of coded this particular iOS uh, screen, we realized that the way the control is built, this is actually a picture, this is actually a picture, and then there is a mandatory space that is there in between, and then that really came out to be sort of ugly, right? So just before the release, we found out that this is the state of the art that we have. And now the question now became, should we, real, should we release it or should we hold back the release, right? And sometimes it is easy to hold back the release, but in our case, that was the first release of the mobile app. I mean, uh, uh, our sales was notified, our customers were notified, there is no way for us to really pull back. So the one of the things that we did was we released it, but because luckily there is no real interaction with the backend because this is fully iOS native uh, front-end controls. We were able to quickly fix it back and then released another version in a couple of days. Right? So that is also one of the main advantage of the mobile apps where you look at your cadence of the mobile app releases and then readjust the releases when and how many times that you want to release, right? So clearly, as of today, nobody really cares about how many times, uh, let's say, Facebook or uh, Gmail or uh, your Google Maps got updated, right? So we are now at a... A phase where all our apps on our mobile phones gets updated in the background and then you don't really think about should I update this app or not, right? So it is a very similar uh, scenario where you can really look at them and then uh, readjust them as possible. Don't really uh, provide a fixed release cycle of your mobile app because if in between you need to improve the app or you need to provide the bug fixes, you will always be able to uh, go quickly as possible. The one thing that we realized is, um, again, from the release cycles point of view, if you submit something to the Android Play Store, it gets approved typically between 24 hours to 48 hours, whereas on the Apple um, iTunes, it takes at least a week. So when you're thinking about releasing the Android app uh, as well as the iOS app at the same time, you need to be really, really careful on what you are announcing, when you are announcing, because there is always a lag between uh, once you submit, it's not in your hands, the whole approval process, right? And this is just an example of how uh, later on we've used the maps feature, the responsive uh, design between uh, iOS uh, designs of, especially this is the one that works really well on the iPad Pro, iPad, iPad mini, as well as on the iPhone, right? So everything gets adjusted very nicely and uh, you can see that we've been using the gesture uh, controls um, just because some of these uh, task actions are very much relevant to our particular users, and that is how we used it. So this is where I think you know I want to go back to that fact and uh, premise again and again, where 
try to understand your users again and again and again right that really becomes the crux of uh, the success for uh, whatever we do whether it is saas um, or um, the mobile products in general and these are our uh, android uh, apps that we have later on and to your point it's really like once we start our mobile journey it's really the question of the saas team will go on the mobile team will go on but then the platform what i mean by platform is the security the permission sets the apis that you may need to have right and then especially uh, in a big companies you may have your own enterprise security teams and they need to approve so it takes at least 6 months to 1 year for you to really understand uh, at the time of uh, processing your uh, mobile apps what does it really mean what is the cadence can i release every 2 months every 3 months every 6 months and that is when you try to build your platform uh, in a very stable manner execute quickly execute fast and then learn the lessons uh, from your releases right so make sure that at least for the first couple of releases set the expectations for yourself for your management that this is a learning process you are finding out what is the right thing to do and then move on from there and similar to building the platform the api first approach really really helps you a lot especially when you are building the mobile apps because what happens is your saas application when you build it you may not build it with the intention of somebody consuming this data so what that means is you may have some back end code you may have some application that is already there but you don't have the apis to be consumed by your mobile applications right so what that really have the reason why we really need that one is if we tie the mobile app to the enterprise app then we are pretty much married to all the apis that your uh, saas product has and you cannot independently change anything on the mobile app but whereas if you have your apis everything ready then it doesn't really matter how many times your saas application changes but you will still be able to make your mobile app independently run on its own and then you decouple the ui from the backend that's the very important point because if you see anything that need to be improved on the ui uh, or the ios code you will be able to really uh, make it right away so until now probably uh, whatever i talked about they are much more internal uh, to the execution point of view but this is the most important thing uh, i want to talk about and then i want to stress on where if you are launching your products for the first time and i'm sure most of us will do at some point of time make sure you have that one customer one partner or that one particular user who is rallying behind your vision and your product right so what i mean by that is 
just releasing the product and then we can't expect that people or the users will come and use it. So make sure that there is a beta customer, work with them, make sure that there are certain users who are already using your product, get the feedback and then make sure that the customer and the users are very satisfied with the first version of the mobile or product that you have. And then they become, of course, your reference customers, clearly. But at the same time, make sure that you are on the same page with your uh, sales team. If you have at all partners that you work with, make sure that your partners are also on the same page as you are looking at from the mobile uh, product version and the vision point of view, right? Because think of this really as that conduit that makes your product successful, right? Because you may have a real great product, you may have a real nice UI, the back end, doesn't, doesn't really matter, but then if you don't have those, the early adopters, if you don't have that one customer who is rallying behind you, then you will have a very uphill battle to really bring in the adoption into the market. The last point really is um, uh, at this point of, I mean, in 2018, we feel that we shouldn't be having a mobile app that costs something for the customer, right? Again, I'm talking in the context of the enterprise mobile apps and then um, it's really a way for you to interact with the system rather than a tool on its own, right? Maybe around 2008, 2009, if somebody talks about, yeah, okay, you know, I have a mobile app and then the mobile app uh, costs you $100 per month. Yeah, maybe because at that point of time, it is a completely new technology and then people are still adopting it and it seems to be a privilege. But at this age, the mobile apps should be completely free and is just a one way for the user to interact with the system like browser, right? So we wouldn't say that, yeah, okay, we have a nice SaaS product, but then it costs you for to access via browser, right? We wouldn't say that, right? Because by now it is a default grant per granted that, yeah, okay, if I have to interact with the system, browser is the main way. So the same way, uh, mobile applications are also on the same path that they should be for free. And all our mobile apps that we have uh, uh, released are for free for our customers as long as uh, they have subscribed to the SaaS uh, model, they should be able to just use the mobile or the SaaS from the web browser point of view. right? So that's really all uh, that I have to uh, share with you guys on the top 10 uh, learnings that I have from these five years of uh, executing the mobile apps uh, from that side. And that's really about it. Uh, thanks a lot for um, the wonderful interaction and the questions that you've had. I will be around here, right? Thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com. Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.